Fireworks. Yep, fireworks are a big part of America. And there's so many fireworks shows everywhere, and not just the 4th of July. That said, I've been thinking about the lack of fireworks shows here in in the Valley, and um, while I miss the fireworks shows, I I think it's probably a pretty good decision not to have fireworks, because we all know that fire is a real big deal around here. And I have to say that I have a mixed uh, relationship uh, with fireworks, probably because over the years I've learned that fireworks are anything but safe and sane, as the saying used to go. Clearly, you have to know what you're doing when it comes to setting off rockets with a red glare. A number of years ago, uh, my wife, Regina, and I were in Baja, California, and we were having dinner outside in a very simple open-air restaurant on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And we chose the place because we heard that at dusk that fireworks would be set off from the beach below. And what we didn't understand at the time is that the experience level of those igniting the fireworks was not very high. So we were having a delightful dinner, and in the midst of dinner, we saw a very large flash and heard a very loud boom as a firework shot up from the beach and right into the restaurant and exploded. (laughs) As I said, I've had a mixed relationship with fireworks. Anyway, as we celebrated the 4th a few days ago, we are all reminded that freedom is central to who we are uh, as Americans. Freedom is part of our DNA. It's built into our nation, it's built into our laws, it's built into our psyches, and the bottom line is that by and large in this country we are free, something that cannot be said for so many people around the world. Years ago, you may remember Chris Christofferson wrote a song titled Me and Bobby McGee, and I've always loved the tune and especially fond of Janis Joplin's raspy rendition that was released not long after she died. You may may remember one lyric in the song. Freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. And Chris Christofferson once in an interview said that that line, which he said, is all about a guy leaving a girl. It's about the two-edged sword that freedom brings. That we are free to do what we want, but our decisions can destroy us. And he certainly is correct. For sure, freedom is a two-edged sword because the result of our use of freedom can range from the best there is to utter destruction, from what God envisions to the worst of what humankind can come up with. Also, the ways in which we use freedom and which people use freedom within a culture can have massive social consequences. The writer David Brooks recently wrote a book titled Two Mountains, And in it, he describes what he calls the moral ecology of the United States in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. In slightly adapted excerpts, here's what he writes. In the last century, people were faced with a Great Depression and a cataclysmic war. People joined armies, joined unions, and worked at big companies. People bonded together. A culture developed that emphasized doing your duty, fitting into institutions, conforming to the group, deferring to authority, not trying to stick out or get too big for your britches. It was a group moral ecology that could be summed up with the phrase, we're all in this together. There was, however, not a lot of emphasis on individual choice back then. The ethos nurtured a rich community life. Egotism and narcissism were not valued. But of course, despite all the upsides of the idea that we are all in this together, 
there were downsides of the time as well. Housewives often felt trapped. There was a very narrow definition of masculinity. There was a lot of group pressure. Racism, sexism, anti-Semitism, and homophobia were alive and well. But as Brooks continues, then there was a rebellion in the 60s and beyond, and we entered into the era, I am free to be myself. Creativity was unleashed. The idea was to be liberated from dogma, political oppression, social prejudice, and group conformity. But taken to its extreme, he continues, we are now in a period in which links between people have begun to dissolve into hyper-individualism. The self is now the basic unit of society. No harm, no foul is the name of the game. Authority is to be found within the individual. Each person comes up with their own worldview. Selfishness is accepted. Community is attenuated. Connections are dissolved. And loneliness spreads. All of what David writes points to the fact to me that freedom is a very tricky deal and far from a simple concept. In fact, freedom is something that, in my view, always needs to be discussed with nuance and non-black and white thinking. Otherwise, we end up with groupthink, in which the individual is totally lost. Or we end up with hyper-individualism, in which there's no concern for the person right next to us. And all of this, I believe, is extraordinarily relevant and applicable to the freedom we have been given by God. Again, David Brooks writes, in our culture, we think freedom is the absence of restraint. That is freedom from. But there's another kind of freedom, and that is freedom to. I love that phrase, freedom to. And I'm going to take a bit of a different direction than David does, but I love that phrase, freedom to, as opposed to freedom from. And on this very point, the Presbyterian minister Tim Keller writes, in many areas of life, freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, those that fit with the reality of our nature that lead us to greater joy and fulfillment. And he continues, instead of insisting on our own freedom to create spiritual reality, should we not be seeking to discover it and discipline ourselves to live according to it? Well, all of this, I believe, is in direct alignment with our Judeo-Christian heritage and clearly is at the heart of a lot of what Jesus taught and what continues to teach us now through his Holy Spirit. We were not created to be free from God, free from connectedness, free from responsibility and commitments, free from justice, free from each other, free from restraint, free from selflessness, free to do whatever we happen to want to do at the moment, or free from the world that our loving God envisions. That said, however, the bottom line is that God did create us to be free. And since I believe this is the case, let's look at it for a moment at what at some of this means for our journey in faith. Our first reading today is from the book of Genesis, Genesis and in it, it contains excerpts of the creation story and the story of Adam and Eve and through it, we learn that God is not only our creator, not only a physical matter, but of human beings. And through this part of the story, we see that we are created for relationships and connectedness. We are not meant to be isolated people. That when things are the way they should be, there is no shame, should be no shame for being who we are. And I'd have to add 
There is no room for despair, selfishness, destitution, or brokenness of any kind when things are the way they should be. And it's in chapter 2 of Genesis that God gives humankind something, that something free will, the ability to choose, in essence, freedom. That's why lack of freedom is not only antithetical to being a human being, but it's the antithesis of what God intends for all of us. But we learn in next, in chapter 3 of Genesis, that Adam and Eve misuse their God-given freedom. In essence, they make a decision to be free from, free from any boundaries, free from what God wants. And in short, in the rest of Scripture, following Genesis 3, all hell breaks loose and things get messy, a mess that is part of our reality today. So the story in Genesis is about the truth of freedom, that freedom is God-given, that freedom can be horribly misused. And so much of the suffering we witness today is precisely due to the misuse of our freedom. And let us not forget that Jesus' crucifixion was due to misused freedom. And then in our reading today from John's Gospel, Jesus simply says, we are free. Jesus echoes what he knows to have been the case since the cosmos came into existence. We have freedom and it comes from God. And then in the verses that follow our reading, Jesus highlights freedom can be misused with terrible consequences. So the bottom line before I continue is we are made to be free. We are free. We can use that freedom without a care of any consequence or we can embrace freedom as a God-given gift to be cherished and used with faithful discernment. Earlier, to you, earlier I mentioned the phrases freedom from and freedom to, and while I mentioned that I don't believe God gave us freedom in order to be free from a lot of things, like freedom from responsibility or commitment, or freedom from what God wants, or freedom from a whole sort of things, I do want to mention just one little quick caveat. There are indeed some things we're supposed to be free from, and it's our responsibility to help those mired in some of these things to break free. We are created to be free from oppression, degradation, prejudice, abuse, hate, systems that make it impossible for people to live and get ahead, violence, destruction, among a whole host of other things. And we're obligated to help people get out from under such things. With this in mind, however, I'd like to spend the, my remaining few minutes highlighting what we are free to, what we are free to do. And we are free to do a lot of things, just a few of which I want to focus on briefly. As followers of Jesus, I want to take a look at what we are free to move on from, what we are free to move away from, and what we are free to move toward. First, what are we free to move on from? Moment to moment, albeit sometimes challenging, and I know this firsthand, moment to moment, although it can be arduous and overwhelming, each of us is completely free to move on from what has been. We are free to let go. We are free to forgive. We are free to move past. We are free to decide not to let the moment be overwhelmed by history. Certainly, we, mean, we may need help, a ton of prayer, a loving community around us, God-given therapy, 
or different surroundings, but we each have the freedom to move on from what has been. Jesus, over and over, in story after story, encounters a person and offers the person a chance to accept a new beginning, and then he leaves it to the person to accept or reject the offer to move beyond what has been. Jesus does not, in such stories, take freedom away from the person. Instead, he offers them the gift of freedom from the past. For example, it is up to a woman to accept Jesus' forgiveness and no longer engage and put her adulterous ways behind her. It is up to a woman at a well whose life has been really hard to let go of what has been and to accept Jesus' words. It is up to Lazarus after Jesus brought him back to life to move on from his death. It is up to each person Jesus asked to follow him to let go of the past and journey into a future with Jesus. It is up to those standing at the foot of the cross when Jesus tells humankind that we are forgiven, to believe it, act on it, and share it. Now, I know firsthand how brutal and cutting life can be. I know it takes time to work through pain and heartache. I understand agony very well. I know we all need help sometimes to heal. But I also believe that when it's all said and done, there is at a point in which we are in a position to take the freedom that God gives us and to move on. From what has been. But in addition to the freedom to move on, we also have the freedom to move away. We have the freedom to move away from all kinds of things. And this first one I want to mention, I think, is particularly relevant and important for we who live in this country and enjoy our freedom. We have the freedom to move away from putting ourselves first. We can move away from things that impede us from letting go of ourselves. We can remember that Jesus said we find ourselves when we learn to let go of ourselves. We can move away from self-centeredness and instead choose to move into a life of service, serving, and selflessness, all in response to God. We can move away from a life focused on material pleasure and endeavors of our egos, we can move away from things that are shallow and really not important. We can move away from anything that inhibits a purposeful, meaningful, and more joyful life that enables us to leave a mark on other people for the better. As one person puts it in slightly adapted form, we can tr truly choose to live from a desire to live in an intimate relationship with other people, to make a difference in the world, and to feel right with ourselves. We can move away from so many things. We can move away from things that delete, deplete us, hinder joy, and darken the lives of people around us. We can move away from trying to be independent and instead turn to a life in which we are interdependent upon others and utterly dependent upon God. We can move away from what we know is wrong. We can move away from a lot of what we see in our country today that leaves people feeling bad and frustrated and tense. We can move away by choice from things that ultimately hurt us and those around us. We can move away from all that leads us from being who we know God made us to be down deep. Indeed, we have the freedom to move away from many things. But in addition to moving 
in addition to the freedom of moving on from what has been and of moving away from what I've just spoken of, we also have the freedom to move towards something. You and I have the freedom moment to moment to stand away from the crowd and to move towards something quite radical that the world does not accept. We can move toward living a life whose essence is grounded, centered upon, informed by, colored by, directed by, and infused by the love of God. The only one who ever got this was Jesus. Yet, you and I have the daily freedom to move toward such a loving life, should we so choose. We can move toward a life in which we ask before making any big decision, what would God have me do? What would the love of God have me do in this, in this situation? We can move toward a life in which we put love ahead of the words that are about to cross our lips. We can move toward a life in which love of God dictates our actions. And it's not any kind of love I'm talking about, but rather the love of God, the kind of love which is selfless and other-directed. And here's the hard thing. You and I can move toward a life of love, and if and when we make a decision to do so, I guarantee you one thing. Some people around you will crucify you for it. Just as they did to Jesus, whose very essence was love itself. Often the most loving actions, the most loving decisions, the most loving people are those that receive the greatest resistance. Resistance even from those who follow Jesus. Why? In part because loving meaning means putting the other person first. You can hear such resistance to love all over our culture, and I have been crucified for taking loving responses to people. But you can hear resistance to love with such words and phrases as, well, that's not very practical, is it, Robert? Or that's not reasonable, or, or that's too idealistic, or that's just not the way this country or this world works, or that's not what you find in verse so-and-so, or we would be harmed by doing it that way, or we'll be taken advantage of with that approach. That's nice, but let's get real, Robert. And yet you and I have the God-given freedom to move toward a life like Jesus to love God, to love others, and to learn to love ourselves. Freedom. What an extraordinary, astonishing gift. Wow. It is ours to choose, to use, as we will. Nobody can tell you how to use your freedom. You can think whatever, we can think whatever we want. But we can choose to use our freedom to move on from what has been in the past and to be released into a new life. We can move on from old habits and ways of thinking and deep hurts. We can use to move away from a life that is all about ourselves and things that really end up diminishing ourselves and other people. 
And we can use our freedom to move toward a life infused based upon and directed by the love of God. What an opportunity. I believe the more we do these things, the more I learn to do these things, the more our lives will be saturated with purpose and joy. Countercultural, yes, but purpose and joy. I want to close today with one more freedom we have. This spring in one of my sermons, I spoke briefly about a spiritual gospel tune called Hallelujah Anyhow. It's a great African-American spiritual. One of my favorites. Today, thanks to Paul and our gospel choir, we're going to wrap our service up in a little bit with it. And here's some excerpts that speak all about freedom. God's been good to me through every test and trial. The enemy has tried his best to make me turn around and bring me down, but God has never failed me, so I'm going to stand my ground. That's freedom. And I love the next line. No matter what comes my way, I'll lift my voice and say, Hallelujah, anyhow. What a brilliant, faithful, Christ-centered use of freedom. As I think about these lyrics, as I think about the pain of the African-American community and what that community has gone through from which this song comes, it strikes me that we, like people of faith all over, not only have freedom to move away from things and on from things and toward things, but we also have the freedom to defy what is wrong. We have the freedom to defy what is evil, to defy what is the opposite of love. And we have the freedom in the midst of everything, despite what's going on around us, say, hallelujah, anyhow. And we can do this because God is not going to let us down when the story is over. Hallelujah, anyhow. And so I want us to use our freedom today to celebrate our freedom. And I want to invite us now into a little rousing rendition of just thinking about stuff that's going on in your life. Think about stuff that's going on in this country. Think about stuff that's going on in this world. Think about stuff that's going on that's just messed up. And let's just say, hallelujah, anyhow. Come on, hallelujah, anyhow. Hallelujah, anyhow. That's, that's pretty weak. Hallelujah, anyhow. Come on, hallelujah, anyhow. Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> and let us pray.